Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Bitcoin podcast studio. Oh, oh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm the host that talks first. My name is D. And I am the host that talks second, Dr. Corey Petty. D is on his iPhone because he decided to do all his Windows updates like That's a right. minute before we decided to start recording. So <laughs> here we are. And today we are re- uh, returned. We are joined by. Returning, returning, returning guests, returning. Mr. Ray Redacted, what's up? What's up, Mr. Ray? Hello, guys. How are you all today? Man, I'm doing well. Man, I'm doing well. I forgot to say something. Uh, this is episode 271 of the Bitcoin Podcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. Everybody knew that when they clicked on it. It says it on the title. <laughs> That's what you're listening to. Uh, welcome back, Corey. How was your week? My week was good. Got a lot done. A lot of stuff done. Uh, status is going. Starting to. It's coming up on its version one audit, which will release the app in the app stores. We're excited about that. So it keeps yeah. me busy getting all that stuff situated and ready to go. Other Very than that, cool. working on some other stuff. A lot of, a lot of okay. stuff happening in the, in the podcast world, keeping me on my toes. How about you? Um, hold on. Let's ask Ray first. He's the guest. Sorry, Ray. We're being rude. No, Ray, I want you to go first because I want to go third because mine's long. Okay. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, my week was great, man. I got a batch of, I got a really good client. I'm liking this project that I'm on. Um, I'm here visiting my family. I can see my niece and nephew. So that's always fun. Um, I found out that those rotisserie at the, those rotisserie chickens at the grocery store are bullshit. What do you mean? Those are delicious. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're delicious, but it's 1400 milligrams of sodium in one serving. There's 14, <laughs> there's 14 servings, bro. <laughs> So you might as well just go lick the ocean if you want to eat that shit. Like, I, here I am thinking like, oh, this is this is keto friendly. This is protein. This is good. And then I look at the nutrition facts and I'm like, just astounded by the fact that I might as well just be pouring salt in my mouth. So keto is anti-salt then? I didn't even know that. I thought it was just anti-carbs. Yeah. Well, most, most good dietary habits include being anti-sodium because sodium will fuck you up. So too much sodium. That is, that is science. It'll ruin that your is, sodium yeah. potassium pumps, which gets rid of the electric potential required for those pumps. Yeah, actually, ah, the chemist in the house. I um, was on a scientificjournal.com and I read this one that said sodium will fuck you up. Here's the study. <laughs> exactly. That was the title yeah. of, the, of, the, of the article. <laughs> that, that was the title of the, order, of the article. Uh, and it was written by, um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but all in all, good week. Ray, how about you? All right. So I was at a conference this week called ILTACON. It's Law Firm Technology Association. And I wasn't speaking until Thursday morning. 
So just like everybody that does keynotes at these kind of conferences, I waited to the very last minute to do my slides until Wednesday night. Oh, so you were much. keynoting. You didn't mention that. You're keynoting. <laughs> yeah, that was, was the Thursday. The I, Thursday. I slide in there. <laughs> the Thursday spot. <laughs> yeah, humble brag there. Um, but anyway, because of that, guys, uh, my normal ritual every week is to get my Patreon early listen to episode 270. But I did not actually listen to it until Thursday night uh, when I got finally got around to listening to 270. And just like on the show Seinfeld, where George Costanza's dad has the airing of grievances that he does on Festivus, I've got a few grievances. To, I've got a few bones to pick with you about episode 270. Beautiful. Oh, let's let's yeah. rock and roll. <laughs> what do we do? I'm excited. So just to bring you guys up to speed, the big topic in 270 was BitBlockBoom, which is a Bitcoin maximalism conference that was out there. And it, the episode 270 was very, it was actually a really, really good episode. But I did want to point out a couple different things. Uh, specifically for D, for your for your purposes, um, you mentioned that when you go to really really large crypto conferences, people stink. They smell bad. <laughs> I wanted to clue you guys in on the three two one rule. <laughs> this is a hacker rule, by the way. The three two one rule is that any person who ever comes to a hacker conference needs to have at least three hours of sleep, two meals a day, and one shower a day. And you can actually call someone out if they're violating three two one. By the way, so. But mm. I don't know if that I don't know if that translates to other conferences. <laughs> I'm willing to try and try and see if it does, though. Three hours of sleep is actually quite a bit when people are working on code and stuff Back like that. Conferences? For yes, yeah. absolutely. But uh, anyway, so the, but, but regarding the BitBlock Boom conference, that was the the Dallas based Bitcoin maximalism conference, and the guy who actually runs it, the guy who actually organizes it, guy by the name of Gary Leland. He actually designed it to be like the TED Talks, like the kind of an exclusive, really small crowd, you know, some, you know, main big names and stuff like that. But each talk was supposed to be like a TED Talk. So as a matter of fact, if you listen to the really controversial one, the one about memeing for Bitcoin, yep. where, where Michael Bitstein or Michael Goldstein, whose handle is Bitstein, he even opens it up by saying, this is my ridiculous yep. TED Talk. It's the first words that he said, this is my ridiculous TED Talk. Yeah, so so that actually is on purpose, right? So some of those some of those talks were designed to be that. But D, you'd said that you thought Jimmy Song did a great job of like setting up all the problems, but he never really told us how Bitcoin fixed it. Do, do you remember saying that? Yeah, I do remember saying exciting. Maybe he said it and I missed it, but I just remember he set up. He he gave like a forty five minute spiel about how flawed the current system is, and I was like, yeah, man, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of shit that's messed up. And then he was like, Bitcoin fixes this. And then he said like two things. He didn't even say how. It was basically just like a very long commercial for Bitcoin, which we need more of, honestly. But I didn't feel like, you know, with me, we always get to this step. And that's the cryptocurrency community as a whole. We're like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's this is broken, that's broken, this is broken, that's broken, and this is the fix. Okay, wait a second. What do you mean this is the fix? Like, there's more steps to this. If that's broken, how do we fix that? If this is broken, how do we fix this? There's never a solution outlined. That's why I was just was like, yeah. yeah. So I actually was in the front row for that portion. I actually went up to the very, very front because I really wanted to hear what he had to say. And I felt like he was actually making that point while explaining the problems. And Bitcoin fixes this is actually a hashtag on Twitter. And you'll see tons and tons of examples where people point at the problem and then they just put hashtag Bitcoin fixes this, basically saying if it's about governance or it's about decentralization or if it's about incentives, 
uh, all of those types of things. And to Jimmy's credit, he also didn't plug his brand new book, which just dropped last week, uh, which is called Bitcoin Fixes This. No, I'm kidding. It's, not <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's, called, uh, it's called The Little Bitcoin Book. And it's like, it's a really, really, really little book. I think it's like 110 pages or something. But I thought he did do, I thought he did weave that throughout. And I mean, I know that those video postings are going to be, you know, coming out pretty soon. I've actually talked to Gary about putting your video into the into our Slack so that you would, people won't have to pay for it or anything just to see the video view uh, on that, on that panel. But the last point I wanted to make on my errands of grievances, and then we can get to the normal show was that the conference itself was one day, but other uh, nonprofits and associations planned events around it. So like there was a gun range thing on Friday, there was a, um, a workshop, an encryption workshop, but the Friday night dinner and the Saturday night dinner were both for nonprofit organizations. They weren't, um, they weren't Gary's or they weren't the, the conferences at all. So one was the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute, which is uh, an organization by Pierre Richard and, and Michael Bitstein that's purely 100% maximalism, like maximalism to the religious degree, yeah. right? But it's a nonprofit. And then the Saturday one was Safadine, a moose, trying to raise funds so that he could ship his book to, I think it's 112 countries that they want to ship it to, to, to give away, basically, to people that are unbanked or less banked or whatever that was. But those, even though those numbers sounded shocking, the prices and stuff, they were actually nonprofit donations for those of us that pay taxes. Mm. All right. Good point. Solid point. <laughs> Now. So I didn't want to clarify those two. That's a, that was my clarification list for oh. about Bit Black Boom. So your clarification based on the talk, um, yeah, the meme talk. It may have been a joke. It probably wasn't. Um, I think a lot of those people believe a lot of that stuff and live by a lot of that stuff. And even if he said it was, that that type of stuff is happening. And people who, um. I think a good portion of the people who who read into it don't understand that it's a joke and then take it and run with it. That's and negative. You're specifically talking about which part, Corey? The majority of the talk, like maximalism in general, the idea of not listening to people, the idea of um, basically like not having public discourse whatsoever in any way, shape, or form, just saying one thing and running with it. Yeah, if you um, recall, Corey, I was late to that talk. And when I stepped in and the slide that I saw, Ray, as soon as I sat down next to you, the slide that I saw was like, propaganda is good. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I was like, what is going on at this, co this conference? Information warfare is a thing. For sure. And he outlined a good portion of how it's done, but he did it in a jesting way. A good portion of people who looked at that took it and used it. Yep. Yeah, but Dr. Petty, I mean, you, it's just a classic thing where like certain types of narcissists will say shit and they'll say, oh, I was just kidding. But in reality, they were hoping that some people were going to take them seriously. Of course, and that's right? the way I saw it. That's It was like, this is my ridiculous TED Talk. Go actually do it. Yeah, no, I don't think he was joking. That... I, don't, I don't think he was joking in the sense that he didn't mean what he was talking about. They really do believe that memes will win the war for Bitcoin. They really I think do believe that's that, just for sure. stupid. It's just, it's just stupid. Maximalism in general is stupid because it doesn't allow real conversation which doesn't allow for real solutions, which gets us nowhere. And like you said, I guess a portion of the talk, he said, um, this talk is a way to win conversations while Bitcoin or hard money does what it does and dominates. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, like, they're, they're, just, they're just trying to dominate conversations in public discourse because they don't have the skill set or requisite skills to do anything yeah. about actually helping Damn. Bitcoin. 
Damn. That's my opinion. I don't think they they, they don't have At the ability to point. do anything, so they just talk real loud. This is something that I actually critique the entire community on quite a bit, and that is stop underestimating the human factor of what we're trying to do. In defense of the Bitcoin maximalist community, they've been dealing with, I guess you would call it like instigators and uh, perpetrators of like negative attacks and all this stuff for nearly a decade now, right? Remember Buttcoin? And like that whole <laughs> our butt coin, yeah, yeah, that was that was just designed to attack anyone that liked Bitcoin, anyone that was interested in it. They would actually go into the r slash Bitcoin subreddit and post like really hateful and mean mean shit. And mm-hmm. I would actually comment on some of it. I would say like, oh yeah, that's wrong. You're wrong there. You're wrong there. And so when you deal with that kind of attack for almost a decade, sure. eventually you're just gonna say you know what, fuck it, fuck them, they're stupid, I don't have time to deal with it, Bitcoin good, orange coin good, number go up. If you don't <laughs> understand that, we're going to focus on our community. There's the issue with now, that. Uh, I, I understand that. That's real. That's a real thing. And actually, but, but this the situation we we're at now could be a, a side effect of that defense mechanism of just not dealing with that type of stuff, is that that defense mechanism has been pointed to other people trying to do similar type of things with similar goals. A part of that talk, he said, just reframe the conversation. It's not that like Ethereum is bad or it's a competition. It's that Bitcoin shouldn't like we don't care about that stuff that Ethereum is trying to do. Therefore, it's it's irrelevant to the conversation. Oh, see, I disagree. I disagree completely, and I can't believe I'm defending maximalism on a podcast called the Bitcoin Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually think. You know, and I really took this away from that conference. There are some brilliant ideas that Ethereum and the Ethereum ecosystem have solved that Bitcoin maximalists are also trying to solve. And their time frame is much further out, like six months or 12 months or whatever else. But most of the layer two solutions, even Lightning, was meant to address things that were criticized from outside the community, right? The transaction times or, or, or things that were on-chain versus off-chain, all of that stuff came because of Ethereum. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, by the way, I stole that from Andreas and Tonopoulos. So I got to give him credit for that. Yeah, yeah. sure. But what, oh. if, but what if what if Bitcoin isn't the framework or the foundational layer to do that appropriately? Because it, it, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it is a technology with limitations. There's no argument about that. The way that it is built has inherent limitations. Therefore, anything you build on top of it will be constrained by those limitations. There's nothing to argue about there. Okay. That's what fine. if there are better ways to do it? Why would you automatically throw that away? If it does what you're in, like, in, in reality, like, if these people are real, or if they're holding on to this technology because of an ideology, for some very thing, then the ideology should be more important. Getting the thing done for humans or getting rid of banks or whatever it is that they're espousing should be more important than the vehicle they're using to espouse it. See, I actually thought, I thought on the Bitstein talk, and I'll, I'll preface this by telling you, I love that talk. I thought it was brilliant. And I actually like Michael Bitstein quite a bit too. Um, but I actually thought that the whole point was we're under attack from the president of the United States, from a bunch of charlatans that are forking things off into BCV, SV6 or whatever, <laughs> from a shitload of ICO scams, uh, all these morons like Noriel, a whole bunch of traditional bankers. So we're under attack from 15 different sides. Stop taking the punches. Start punching back. Start punching back harder. And I'd never actually heard someone say that out loud. And maybe that's why I like that talk so much. I agree with yeah. that. But and, think, and but to like, your point, Corey, I'd like to add to your point, like, 
the whole Bitcoin has limitations thing. Well, I think that we're, what we're trying to do is layer things on top of it. And the more layers there are, the more functionality we get. No, that's the point of it, right? Absolutely not. So then that is a that is a fundamental problem with understanding how this stuff works. If you add layers to something, you add additional constraints. You are taking something away every time you add a layer to something. If something is general purpose and you add a layer to it, that will take something away from the underlying layer to give you something else. If if you have fundamental constraints to the bottom layer, everything on top of that will be fundamentally constrained or you're giving something up in order to get it. Lightning Network gives up things in order to be used, uh, to be built on top of the Bitcoin, Bitcoin network. What does it give up? What does it give up? Let's see, it gives up a good portion of the trust model for each, each individual transactions. It gives, all, it gives up a tremendous amount of the transparency, which some would call privacy. Mm-hmm. There are things you can't do based on, you're, you're, you're always going to be constrained by the fundamental layer, depending on how you use it. If you're, and in some cases, like it's better to do that type of system on something else that, that may be a different set of constraints or a different off like trade-off when you build something on top of it. Okay. It isn't so, one of those things yeah. where like you build it on top and now it works perfectly. There are no magical, magical, magically perfect systems. Okay. So if that's the case, then why should more human effort and energy be focused on creating a collection of individuals from the respective leading blockchains that can set out a roadmap far enough in advance that both scales the base layer to increase functionality and the, I guess, room for doing cool shit on the base layer while, yes, we're adding a constraint on this other layer, but we still are slowly growing the base layer. I Just want like, what is it? What is it like? IPv6? I don't know this shit. But IPv6? I know started... You're talking about IPv6? Yeah, that'll never actually example. be adopted. That's a horrible example, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Use anything besides had, that one. Somewhere it had to start at IPv1, and there's some group of real smart ass people pushing it to IPv6. <laughs> This is a terrible example. (laughs) I mean, I I, I get what you're saying, and I and I like it, but like, and I agree with you. Yes, we should make everything better, and we should do as much research as possible to make these things better that work with the same set of principles we set we set out to like to to guarantee, but not at the cost of other people doing trying to do the same thing, like legitimately trying to do the same thing. And what has happened with a lot of the maximalism in Bitcoin is that by defending all of the people you you said in the beginning. Who like are basically just, you know, we'll, we'll call them fiat shills or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That defense has automatically started throwing punches at other other projects legitimately trying to do the same thing because Bitcoin, you're talking about Ethereum. You're yeah, specifically just, defending uh, Ethereum. I I would say Ethereum is the worst at this case because, in my opinion, it's probably the most one of the most legitimately useful projects out there right now with a tremendous amount of people trying to do good things. Okay, Bitcoin maximalism usually in my in my experience throws as many punches as possible at ethereum for trying to solve similar problems in different ways i agree they don't need to be punching sideways i mean and i really do consider the projects that way i didn't think that michael bitstein was attacking ethereum specifically i thought he was attacking dollar dollar fiends and 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 imposters he says ethereum there's a talk there's such a thing called double work right 
I think are you guys familiar with that? No. But you mean you can you can do some some contributions can contribute to both projects at once? Is that what you're talking about? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about from like an efficiency standpoint. And if you've got all these different cryptocurrencies, you got all these different digital assets trying to be money, that's called double work. Oh, it's if, like redundancy. If Ether, if, yeah, if Ether's trying to be money and Bitcoin's trying to be money, we're wasting time and time is money. So those two camps need to decide who wins that. And then one camp works on being money, the other camp works on the other thing. So we're not doing double work and falling well. Yeah, right. I, I, how you optimize a system and how a system works um, tends to lead towards what it's useful for. One should optimize for money. The other one probably should not. Like a, a general purpose global computer is not money. We're all nerds here. What was the fucking tribunal called in Lord of the Rings where a homeboy was? Yeah, so I know between one of us, we can guess the name of the council of Pete, like the different species got together. Frodo was there chilling. He was like, I don't know why I'm here, but I have a ring. <laughs> and then there was the humans who really aren't that good at things, but they do have fresh facial hair. Um, and then there's the elves that keep their shit slick, but they're just like, look, uh, we just need y'all to get y'all shit together because we're good in the forest. And then there's Liv Tyler, who's kind of cute, but actually not. <laughs> you really can't make up your mind from movie to movie. You're like, oh, in this movie, she looks okay. In this movie, she looks not okay. But anyways, that council, that's what crypto needs, right? It needs one person from each camp to come together and build a roadmap so that people aren't doing double work, right? Sure. So that they need we have the best production, the best, <laughs> most quality production. You're summoning the animals, man. I thought it was great. Your, your yeah. big analogy was summoning the animals. It's awesome. Crypto needs that. And like, we just need to get real with ourselves. We need that. So all these different camps aren't doing double work. Yeah. So there's never going to be a council of Elrond for crypto, man. It's just never going to happen because the decentralization doesn't play into that. But D, let me ask you a question. What percentage of what percentage of human beings in the planet are involved in blockchain or blockchain development? I would say 1% of 1%. It's not (laughs) a lot of people. What do you, what do you think, Corey? A tremendously small amount of people. Yeah, so it's not like if you lose 10 developers to an ERC-20 project, you're suddenly losing 10 developers that would have been working on BTC, right? It's not There's not a limited size pie and you only get a certain number. The more people that get enthused by the technology, period, the more people are going to flood in and start writing code for it. Yeah, but uh, I'd say the, the developer pool for Bitcoin is um, has an incredibly uh, high barrier of entry. In order to do anything that's going to make make a difference in that ecosystem, in terms of like okay. like protocol level development, okay, building on top you, of it is a different story. You know, there's only so many things you can do on top of uh, Bitcoin, um, but wallets, so on and so forth. Maybe add the Lightning, other potential layer two solutions, things like that. Infrastructure, uh, you can build out protocol level development. It's very hard based on the kind of way in which soft forks are done nowadays so you need to know a tremendous amount of things in order to fit something on top of it or make a and change you don't, need, you don't need to know that much if you're going to work in the ethereum ecosystem or the no. erc20 ecosystem no the things that you can do uh okay, let me take make a different make a different bit i say ethereum is changing so much um over the next couple of years as it moves to mm-hmm. f2.0 it's easier to 
understand what it will be. But because it's a general purpose platform, platform the things that you can do and build a business on top of it is, is much more diverse. Also, they've made it in such a way, some would say, or some, some would argue this is a bad choice. Um, they've made it in such a way that it's easy for developers to get started making smart contracts and so on and so forth. But when people, if I'm a maximalist and if people call me a toxic maximalist, they're not necessarily saying that I'm taking developer cycles from other projects, right? They're saying that there's only a limited number of of people that could be interested in blockchain as a whole, as a technology, and that you're not sharing any of that because you're toxic maximalinity or whatever that word is, right? And I think that's sort of what, what some of the pushback is, is you can be a maximalist and still not be an anti anything else. Just that's all you are is you're just a very big advocate of, of the actual Bitcoin project. That's great. That's, I think that's great. It's uh, it's, it's when you shun everything else um, and kind of narrow your focus to only one thing and refuse to see or learn from other projects is when things get bad. And then, the, and then the toxicity of the conversation around that mentality makes things worse. So uh, do but, they have this kind of fights to go on between Ethereum and Ethereum Classic developers, or are they still kind of cousins and friends? There, are, there aren't really any Ethereum Classic developers. That's, that's <laughs> it's basically a dead project. Um, I, I think some people try and push it for various reasons, but nothing is on it. Nothing is being used by it, so on and so forth. If anything, people are pushing it to try and push the price to make money from it, and that's about it. Uh, but there is infighting with, I'd say, other, maybe someone would call them competitions like Cosmos or Polkadot or something like that. Um, and there's infighting between Ethereum and, and the Bitcoin community. It's, it's, it's stupid. Like We should be learning from each other in a lot of these ways and saying, okay, this works in this context, not in this one because of, I don't know, this is a UTXO project or this one is, a, is an account-based project like Ethereum or like, there's so much you can learn from each other. But because there's this maximalism, you stagnate that development. I could see your point on that one. It's kind of hard to listen when you're shouting, right? And it's so early in the space. Like there's so much, we are in a, still, I keep, I'm gonna keep saying this. We're so nascent, we're so early. We're a, we're, we're, we're a baby, despite how much money is put into this stuff. The technology and where it stands right now and where it will be in the future is tiny. And how it works, We've already made drastic changes to Bitcoin. Like segregated witness is a drastic change to Bitcoin. There will be there will be more of those and things like that. So how it works in ten years is going to be very different. We're still going to call it Bitcoin. We're still going to call it Ethereum, but it's not going to look anything like what it looks like now. And so by making your bet and saying this is the thing that I live for and die for now, it's just close-minded and stupid. Yeah, I agree. Um, or you just have bags. You have bags. You need to pump them because you want to get rich. Yeah, I mean everybody's got bags in some way, shape, or form. All right, let's not let's not get that twisted. Everybody's got bags. I got bags. Even, even Warren Buffett has bags out here when he's all slyly shitting on things he doesn't understand. So, um, okay. One, we're gonna we can have this conversation until the cows come home and cows walk slow. I just know that my opinion about it is that it's really shitty that like this is 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 like two camps and different people with differing opinions can't like put the opinions aside 
and just say like, hey, there's actually something better we could be working. We could be spending this time on. So we should drop it there. But what I do want to talk about was our boy Dan Laramie, who's running the game, right? This guy is literally just collecting checks. Make a thing, collect a check. Make a thing, collect a check. First it was steaming. Won't then talk it was, about yeah. it. Won't talk with anybody won't, about it. Yeah, won't talk with anybody. Just make a thing, collect a check. Tweets out that he has a solution for scaling that doesn't need a second layer, doesn't need anything ridiculous, and he's shocked that no one's thought of it. And he's talking about for Bitcoin, not for other things. I'm pretty okay. sure it will work for other things. And he was like, uh, why hasn't anyone done this? And I was like, so I tweeted him back and I said, of course you would have done it if you found a way to profit off of it because that's how you work. <laughs> and then <laughs> I didn't get anything back. From doesn't He doesn't engage in responses ever. Yeah, I didn't get anything. I, I won't get anything back from him. But I'm thinking like, why doesn't this do like people like that get on my nerves? Because like if you have all these great solutions, which you do, you build things that people use. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of projects in crypto that would love to have his skill set with building things that people use. But why not do that to contribute to more than just you? Because Steam, it's not helping a lot of people. And EOS is a shit show. But he's skirt. <laughs> oh, he's man. Skirting out, like he's skirting out making like six seven figures every single time so it's upsetting is all i'm saying i mean how do you guys feel about that you think it's just like cool that he's got this like apparently he's got this golden juice that he can just sprinkle on projects but he doesn't do it in a way that scales out at a way that doesn't automatically put money in his pocket i would call him a a dumpster fire well, I'm not going to criticize it for not responding to your trolling, which it sounds like you were directly trolling him on Twitter. So I'm not I've, I've tried to have legitimate conversations with him to ask him questions to understand where he's coming from, and there isn't, there, there's nothing. It's and 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 with the forward marketing of EOS and everything he's ever done, and then the actual implementation of those things and the ridiculous vulnerabilities associated with them. Mm-hmm. And them just kind of saying, well, that's not real. Well, it is, you know what I mean? Like the, the tactics they use politically to make people think that their platform is useful and worthwhile. And then the actual reality of the situation makes me like cringe and vomit. Like they don't work. It doesn't work, but it has a tremendous amount of money behind it, but then can push people to then make them think it works by saying it works a lot of times in a lot of places. Yeah, so it reminds me, I saw this video this week of Steve Jobs on a TV interview in 1981 talking Who's, about how Steve Jobs from Apple, from Apple Computer. Steve Jobs? All the time about Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, yeah. Jobs. Um, anyway, this is a video from 1981, and he's talking about why the Apple II computer is much better than the IBM PC. And the person who posted the video said at the time he was talking about this, less than one in a hundred thousand Americans owned a, a computer at all, right? So they're, they're sitting there scrapping out over one one hundredth of a one percent of a market share that eventually would be uh, grow, grow to be this uh, just absolute behemoth. And we think around eight percent, maybe nine percent of Americans own crypto assets today, right? So we're still talking about a very, very, very small number. And when somebody joins the community, the first thing they see is all this infighting and trolling yeah. and 
people yelling and screaming at each other. And hell, I was confused by Bitcoin Cash for like two years. I was yeah. confused by that. I mean, I still get, I still have people that don't understand that Bitcoin can be cash without being Bitcoin Cash, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tell that's me not that. that's not good. It's a lot of noise. It's, it's a lot of noise. But like, here's the here's the difference between Apple and all of these cryptocurrency infighting, is that a lot of people believe that you know there will be one chain to rule them all. Uh, and if you if you are if you have that assumption, you feel that way, then the one that rules it will become money. Okay. Not, not a computer in your home, but, but money for the globe. Now, that's a huge thing. That's an interesting point. Never thought of it that way. More than this globe, Corey. We're going interplanetary <laughs> with this bitch. You know we're going to Mars, right? Yeah, that's not going to work. We can't have one network to do that because light travels at a certain speed so yeah good listen, luck with that man, listen get your science out of here i'm living in a world <laughs> i'm living in a different world okay. uh, you know it's funny i don't know if you guys saw the story this morning but there's the first ever cyber crime committed in space uh was there's a nasa astronaut that was involved in accessing a bank account they weren't authorized to oh, from the international space station so it's our first mm. known galactic hack <laughs> galactic hack why did you do that? And we're not really sure what the jurisdiction is going to be. Like, should it be Maryland or should it be where the, where, where the space station it's was like, floating? It's like maritime law times a thousand. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but back to your, your point, though, one chain to rule them all means that that will be money. I, I don't even necessarily I never really thought of it that way. First of all, that is a pretty big one. But but if you think about Bitcoin as the base currency, right, sort of the way the U.S. dollar is, whether we like it or not now. Right. Couldn't there possibly be a lot of other chains that were secondary currencies? I think that's a way of thinking. It's like a, it's like a traditional way of thinking that I think mm -hmm. we need to get past. Okay, like I think I think there's a everything lot is, of value is relative. Everything has value. It's just a matter of like how we assign value. Uh, I mean, all, all all these things are all these different networks, at least in terms of cryptocurrency and stuff. It's just digital scarcity, and then we assign value to them based on what someone's willing to give the other person for it. And yeah. each of the, like, I think we're just going to, we're going to have a much more fine grained resolution of what is valuable to me and the person I'm interacting with, as opposed yeah. to like requiring us to have like a base currency across the globe. Maybe, maybe we need it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm ignorant here. If that's the case, then yeah, you need something that everyone refers to as like the standard of value. And then everything can be built on top of that, referencing it. Bitcoin could be that. That'd be cool if it was, but does it does it mean it like we need something like that, or we have to have it? I, I'm not going to say yes on that. Mm. Okay. Also, like you need stability. Like something needs to be stable, and Bitcoin is anything but stable. And I don't see a near future where any of the um liquid assets that aren't designed to be stable will become stable. You need a much, 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 much larger community using this type of stuff to have any type of near-term stability. So in that sense, stable coins will be useful. Yeah, see, I reject your, your, your sense that Bitcoin isn't stable. If you're talking about price volatility, that's a totally different topic than stability, right? Because yeah, price, price stability. Is, price stability. Network is incredibly the network stable. is incredibly stable. I'm talking but, about price stability, which is a which is a necessary thing if you're going to talk about money, because store you, value you, is a very different thing. 
But if we look back on this a thousand years from now, they may very, very easily be saying the dollar was the thing that was so volatile. Bitcoin held the same value over the, over the entire time, right? I mean, it just depends on which perspective you're looking at it from. Granted, speculation makes it much worse, right? But if it weren't for speculation, most of us wouldn't even be here, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, very true. I'm just saying that, like, there's a lot of institutions that aren't going to put a lot, like, aren't going to do B2B transactions with Bitcoin because um, by the time they, like, from the time it takes to start a deal to the time that it takes to end it, you've 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 agreed on a very different price, very different um, association of value. Whether you peg that to the dollar or the yen or whatever external value that they, they peg it to, it's going to be different unless their reference material is Bitcoin itself. And that's a huge shift for someone to make because fiat currencies aren't going anywhere. Governments aren't giving up their sovereign, like their sovereign control of, of, of the money. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to say that Bitcoin or something is the universal standard of money, then you're saying that governments are going to give up their control of fiat or at least place it secondary to this money. And that good fucking luck. As much as I'd love that to happen, it's not happening anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that has to change in humanity, period, in order for this beautiful world of crypto that we would love to see happen. And it's not going to be for some years, right? This is, this is, this is the thing that like a lot of what I like about this show is we're able to kind of meter some of the enthusiasm and keeping it for getting exuberant and like we gotta remind people that like the things that crypto is trying to build there's some key things in humanity that have to change first and i think maybe it's at least good that we're so far ahead of the curve that maybe it'll be there whenever those changes occur but like you said to, to just usurp fiat in in a decade yeah good luck Good luck with that. So what are some fundamental things that humans have to change before Bitcoin could become the dominant chain? Uh, they need um, to take responsibility for their own value, for one thing. Yeah. Like they need to be able to handle digital secrets well. Sure. Okay. They can't do that um, because we've we've built a society that offloads responsibility to third parties for everything that we hold valuable. They need to own up to the fact that people aren't working hard for money anymore. They're working hard for numbers. Like, I know I don't go to the bank and cash out a check and get a stack of bills. I know some people still do that. I think it's rather dumb, but some people still do that. Like, people work, at least in my country, they're working for a number. And once you make that subtle realization, like, oh, I'm not working for this actual tangible thing. I'm working for a number on a screen. That kind of changes the way you view your time. Well, that yeah, they're not – I don't think they're – like the real the real thinking there is not a number. Um, well, the number is a proxy to a lifestyle. This number affords me to be able to do these certain things, which means that they've attached a certain amount of um, like physical requirements and the cost of those requirements to something, that being US dollars, right? The number associated is, is a is a is a, is a certain amount of value that they can um, basically quantify in U.S. dollars because they can think about value with U.S. dollars. You can't do that with something that changes its relative value in the real world on in a short term basis. 
Yeah, so but Corey, but Corey, but going back to what Jimmy Song had said last weekend, one of the biggest points he made was that the M1 money supply has increased like 51x in the last 70 years. And so people are not earning money to get ahead. They're earning as much money as they can just to stay where they already are. Oh, that's right? a tragedy. Just, it's, he's right. Just to stay afloat. 100% right there. That's a tragedy. And his other point was, was because there's no real store of value for a long term, you can do it in real estate, but because real estate is is kind of a crapshoot, whether it's really good returns or none at all. It's a market as well. It's- and we know that we know that, uh, that fiat is not a good place to store value. His whole point of Bitcoin fixes this is that because there is 21 million and not a single one more, okay, that is that this is a stable store of value for long term and for generational uh, wealth, right? Because it will continue to be the same and the scarcity will only go up. Scarcity go up, D. Scarcity go up. That's scarcity okay. go up. That assumes that assumes a few things. One, people use it. Um, sure. People have to agree that that is the digital scarcity that they choose to use. This is the network that I'm assigning that value to because it's real easy to, to fork and change off. Look at every single Bitcoin fork, right? Um, two, we have to assume that if the globe decides to do this, it can handle the transaction load and the associated transaction fees for doing things as it grows. If you can't do that, then you, you've basically met a cap on the number of people that can actually really use this stuff. Then you're back to the exact same system. Mm-hmm. You guys really ought to have Jimmy Song on the podcast, by the way. Has he ever been on the show? On, he's been on okay. twice, I believe. Right. He's got a new book out now, by the way. You've said that twice now. <laughs> But I no, I do, I think your arguments are valid. I just I don't I haven't thought through it enough to 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 to, to know what the defense would that for that for those point by points would be. But yeah, you're certainly right. You, every currency must be agreed upon, right? If we all agreed tomorrow that the dollar was worthless, we'd all be scrambling to get Bitcoin. No, the world would be in a very weird place. <laughs> but I, I, but I, it has I, I want before. these things to happen. Like I talked earlier about Bitcoin maximalism being toxic. No, it's it's maximalism in general is toxic. Um, Ethereum has the same problem. There's a lot of people that do the same stuff and they're just as bad. And every other, you know, network has a similar type of, you know, sycophants. Um, and like, I, I want all of the stuff to work. I would love it if Bitcoin worked appropriately, could scale, everyone agreed upon it. And it was, it was easy to use and useful, but I, I don't, I don't want to push for that future to get there, but infighting and, the way we're going about it now, in my opinion, is stagnating a good portion of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, the community needs to get it together, and and is the the longer it doesn't, you know, that's that's why I say, okay, I know that like decentralization is like the main theme, but like we gotta swing the pendulum back to effective. We gotta at least maybe let's put a qualifier on it: effective decentralization, right? Like that could be it because right now just decentralizing like thoughts, decentralizing ideas, decentralizing even as small as like workflows is getting to the point where like we're no- nothing is moving. Nothing. E2.0 has been like pushed off like fucking six times now. <laughs> yep. It's been pushed off and pushed off. It keeps getting pushed off. You know why it's pushed off? Because not enough of those goons can sit in a room and say, this is what we're doing. Well, I want to do this. Good. Shut the fuck up. Get out. No, this I mean the the spec the spec for Beacon Chain has been has been frozen, and they're implementing it. It should be you know the Beacon Chain part of F two point should be deployed relatively soon. 
that's that that spec is frozen. The rest of it, but that spec is frozen. The specification, the specification on how it works, is frozen. People are building multiple implementations of that specification in different languages, and then deploying a network of all of those, all of those, all that software working together. That's happening relatively soon, but that's just a beacon chain. That's like a a small phase of the entire plan. It's hard work. People don't get that. Like from a developer's perspective, things like this built this way haven't been done. And doing it appropriately so that it can scale because it has to, because it's money or value transactions, you need to be very careful on how it works so that you can uphold the original principles from the beginning. You don't end up with something like EOS where you have a few people mining a shitty coin that's incredibly vulnerable. Because mm. if you make bad trade-offs in the process of trying to ship something quickly, you're going to fail because everything has bugs. Welcome to software development. So you have to do it right, especially when you're dealing with value. But so, Corey, you're coming from the perspective of somebody that develops code and writes code and understands that shit ships late because it's got to ship right, right? And Dimitri's coming from the perspective of somebody that consumes code and wants to know why everything's so late. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Like yeah, it's one of those situations, like, I guess you like appeal to authority would be the meme here. Right. Like one, I also, I mean, there's, there's additional difficulties in a lot of, in, in this community in particular, because of decentralization, that the way we organize ourselves is also inefficient. Mm-hmm. It's not like, because we're trying to decentralize everything, maybe for decentralization's sake, we, we try and code and write things in a decentralized manner which is very difficult and you end up shipping things late later than they could be. If you actually use, you know, traditional workflows on, on creating code. Well, how do these other huge open source projects do it so well? Well, open source is a relatively new concept. Okay. But how do they do it so well? I'm talking about like your JavaScript earlier. We were talking about the IPV crew. Uh, like how do they do this stuff so well? Well, if you're talking about the IPV six crew, uh, every single thing on the internet today is pretty much standardized around an RFC process, which was originally a request for comments because the IEEE is so slow to adopt protocols. People said, we're just going to post our own things on Usenet, ask for comments, and it became a de facto standard. As a matter of fact, these RFCs are numbered uh, as if they were like codified standards. Yeah. There's not a really good way to do tight DevSec or SecOps or DevSecOps. <laughs> DevOps. DevOps is the word I was looking for. Um, there's not really a way, good way to do that unless you have a boss, right? If you if you work at Microsoft and you have a boss, that boss will make sure that projects get completed on time and that interdependencies don't slow things down. When you're just doing it all on GitHub and on community forums, there's really no boss. And so right? how does Even something Linux. become a standard? So how does something become a standard? Someone says, I'm going to do it this way. Here's a good way to do something. People talk about it, have conversations, and then... It becomes a standard because someone uses, someone builds it because they, they just decide to do it that way. And then because people build it that way, other people say, yeah, that's cool. Let's just use that because I don't want to redo it. And then as something gets used more and more and more, it becomes a standard because you don't want to try and do something different because you want to be part of the crowd. There's no one person that says, this is how it's done. This is how everyone's going to do it from here on out. It's a lot of people try and do the same thing whatever ends up winning in terms of being used typically becomes the standard. There were a lot of different types of tokens before the ERC-20 became a quote-unquote standard for Ethereum. 
and people still deviate from it. The ERC ERC seventy twenty one, the the non fungible token standard, has been fought in two different implementations for quite a long time, until it rallied around ERC seven twenty one ERC seven twenty one. Why? Because CryptoKitties basically won, and they're the ones that introduced the standard. Mm. And that's how, like, that, and it's the same situation. Look at like, um, let's take for instance uh, things that everyone will remember: HD DVDs and Blu-rays. Sure. It's the same similar situation. How do I do higher resolution or better quality, um, like physical physical media? Here's two completely different ways to do it that give you the same result. Basically, how do we choose which one was which? Ultimately, it was porn that chose. Yes, uh, porn they can is make Blu-rays. Yeah. <laughs> they can make Blu-rays without a licensing fee. So, pornography won yet another uh, standards battle. Yeah, so, it, it, use basically. <laughs> Who used it? Okay, they're using it that much more. Companies deciding to they want to implement this type of thing or give that type of feature set have to choose a standard. Which one are they going to choose? The one that gets used more. And so if you want to build something that works or like you want to push standards along, fucking build something that gets used. Yeah. And that's it. Shut up. Just build something and make it make it get used. If you can't do that, then you're you're just you're just basically being a loud voice that does nothing. But while they were fighting out between the HD DVDs and the Blu-ray DVDs, while that standard was being fought out, Netflix came in and kicked both their asses. Yeah. Right. So you got to be careful. <laughs> you got to be careful about battling it out too much because somebody else will just well, come at the, on. At the time, at the time of the Blu-ray versus HD DVD concept or battle, the required infrastructure to do something like Netflix didn't exist. Yeah, it was barely. It was in infancy. It certainly right? couldn't support the. Type so there's of a lot of ideas. Today. I think that's what's happening now, in my opinion. There's a tremendous amount of really, 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 really good ideas that are too early. We can't do them because we don't have the infrastructure to support them. And so we should be focusing on making that infrastructure work, which is basically base layer blockchains. Mm. Well, we just got so far to go. That's all, that's all it really boils down. That's where I think that's the mentality. I think I just described the mentality of the uh, buildal um, culture, main mainly, in, in, I guess, in Ethereum. I guess Bitcoin has quite a bit of it too. Um, so this is something actually. I think I had a dream about this last night. Um, it's one of my my fever dreams. I think the HODL community is toxic. Really? Yeah. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't, it doesn't incentivize people to go out and do something. It incentivizes people to wait for other, other people to do something. Oh, that's interesting. See, I thought it was designed to incentivize people to not sell and buy so often that it caused disruptions in the entire ecosystem. You're yeah. saying it's an excuse to sit on your ass and not code. Yeah, it's, it's like, okay, I mean, we've been told that you know, Bitcoin number go up. So all, what do you have to do? Buy and hold. How does that help any of the problems we just discussed in the past 40 minutes? <laughs> it doesn't do shit. It maybe brings yeah, people yeah, into the community, does. developers who would like to then find a job to, to like make that price go up. But that's a small amount of people. It, 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 holding doesn't do anything but make potentially make you more successful. The mentality is bad. 
and it incentivizes people to wait for others to do something. It offloads the responsibility once again to someone else to make to better me. And I think that's a bad mentality to have. I think it's toxic. It leads to maximalism. Mm. And yeah. I, I would love for someone to prove me wrong or, or, or have, a, have a solid argument on that. Now, what you said, Ray, I think I is, is a reasonable stance on maybe where it came from. But I think the, the emergent effect of this is what I just said. I think the solid argument to maximalism, right? The only solid argument to maximalism I've been able to find is that when you're when a huge ass boat or vehicle is going in a certain direction, it's not imagine if you didn't have power steering and you've got to turn it. You would need to have like the delts of fucking Goldberg to turn <laughs> that truck. You it, it wouldn't be easy at all to turn that truck. And so if humanity's been going a certain direction for so long and we're trying to turn that direction, we don't have power steering. It takes in a massive amount of energy. And that's the only good thing about maximalism is people are passionate and they're bought in and you've got this energy to turn the direction of something. That's the only argument I could possibly see for maximalism is that at least it's passion and at least it's trying to turn something a certain way. Right. And that goes to maximalism across the board. Ether maximalists are the same way. They just become they become so jade and so like hardcore written in stone in the fact that we need to decentralize all the things that is pretty much all they live and breathe. And it's like, no, we don't. We don't need to do that. But hell, I mean, decentralization is good. And if somebody is not professing it, then it's probably not going to happen. So that's decentralization isn't good for decentralization's sake. There's a means to it. Yeah, there's a means to it. But for some people in the Ethereum community, which tend to be the most maximal people, um, they think that like, well, yeah, let's, let's decentralize it. Well, no. No, we shouldn't. Like, let's think about why, what needs to be decentralized, how, and is it going to be effective and does it make people's lives better? I don't think they take those extra three or four steps sometimes. Yeah, but but the the point of decentralization was really about censorship resistance and about <clears throat> not having a single con uh, authority that could be corrupted. But I, I do want to go back to Corey's your point about ho hodling, ho hodling, however the hell we say that, <laughs> hodling being a toxic activity. There are two exceptions to that. I think. I mean, one is is if you're mining and then hodling. Okay, that's actually you actually are contributing to the community. You're you're contributing to the hash rate and and to the other side. And the other is is if you are hodling and you're also evangelizing and educating others right which i think most pure hodlers do exactly that right they, they just aren't interested in the day trading aspects or maybe they did day trade one day and just got completely wrecked which is the destiny of 90 percent of people that do try to day trade <laughs> yeah. right is they get For wrecked real. um but but if, if they're actually accumulating them and holding them and also teaching others about about use and adoption and everything else i don't think that's necessarily toxic now if it's somebody that's just purely buying and sitting on it i could see why that would seem to you like it was not a contributory activity but again we're talking about eight percent of people are even hodling even one even any any asset at all right so mm -hmm. if you want to get to that magical 37 38 percent that we consider adoption to be to be the tipping point for adoption we're going to have to have a lot more people that are just hodling i agree like the, 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 the act of hodling 
is good. I don't I don't use a good portion of the cryptocurrency that I own. Yeah. I do use it, but relative to how much I own, it's, it's, I use a very small amount. You're saying we need to take the power back. Corey. You need to do something. You have to make something that people want to use. You have to use it. Let's take the fucking power back. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like, so like if you, if, if, the, if you espouse only hold, it's not enough. It needs to be more. But that's how I use it, Corey. <laughs> See, that's not – I've heard that argument relatively recently in the Slack. That is not a use. <laughs> it is – I take that back. It is. It is a use for a allocation of funds, right? In my opinion, everyone should have a percentage of their portfolio in cryptocurrency. If they're not, they're failing in terms of long-term investment. Oh, yeah. That's an epic fail right there. So this is this is a super duper inside baseball thing because the people listening to the podcast may not know this, but but D is actually trolling Corey by saying take the power back, take the power back, take the power back because Corey's power keeps going out. So <laughs> see, Ray, Ray gets me, man. Get the power. I'll be I'll be I'll be using some of my crypto to buy some UPSs <laughs> real quick. Yeah. It's not hodling, you know. I don't give a shit. It changes my life for the better. If it's it's just that like one, I think education is a point in this community that nobody it's it's weird how like education is something I've looked over like across the board in life. But this community does not go out of its way to educate. It really doesn't. I know there's a few people. There's a few people, but I think it always gets to a point where there's enough devs that are like, you know what? I can't spend all this time educating. Sure. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Even Satoshi himself said, if you don't get it by now, I don't have the time to explain it to you. For that, sure. sets a, that sets a precedent for the rest of the existence. Of well, you can spend all of your time trying to, that, that's, that's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like we know the technology needs to go further. We know we're not where we need to be in terms of making this a, like the thing we all want it to be. So I can spend yeah, all of my time espousing how things work now, or I can spend my time trying to make it better because the, the amount of skill available to make it better is a very small pool. But that's a shitty precedent to set because you can do and teach simultaneously. Um, how? All right, I'll give you an example that's outside of crypto, Captain Dev. My father, great man, overhauled engines with me. And we would be overhauling an engine. As he, we were overhauling the engine, he was teaching me why things went where they went. Why you put a head gasket there. Why you use a torque wrench. Why you do these things. And guess what? It took us three weeks to overhaul an engine, and I now know how to overhaul engines. The engine got overhauled, and I was taught something. You can do these things simultaneously. The community isn't putting their big, giant brains together and thinking of a way to both build and teach at the exact same time. It's very possible. Hell, it's not a scalable thing, it. right? Like that, that's, a, that's a wonderful example of, of, of teaching and doing it at the same time. But it's, it's limited in how well you can do that, how, how, how much growth you can have from that. Yes, you're absolutely right. However, would you rather take just a little bit longer time and doing and teaching at the same time? And now, instead of just one person know how to do something, 15 people know how to do something? Or would you rather have a small team of people who can crank out code and get stuff built, 
but more and more and more, you've got more ignorance built up about the space. So when users come in to use it, it's like, I don't know how that fucking works. I don't know how any of this works. I'm just betting on letters. <laughs> so I got to bring this all the way back to the very, very, very beginning. Um, education around the blockchain side. That's the, that's what the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute's about. That's what Bitstein's company is about. Right. And he maybe he does it through memes or whatever, but that's actually what they're trying to do. That's the reason that they're charging money for steak dinners. Very true. Check them out. I mean, they didn't pay us to say well, that, but <laughs> sure. I'd, I'd well, love to probably, learn from it. I've taken, I've taken a tremendous amount of educational material as since I've started in this space. I'd say 95% of it is garbage. Yeah. Um, like, I hope a, I hope that it's gotten better since I stopped looking at it. There was I think there's several code camps now that do it, but there's a lot of code camps. Jimmy does it. Jimmy Song um, does it. He has a code camp, but what I'm what I'm saying is, is that like there's a lot of code camps that exist when I like even had an inkling that I was going to try and learn how to code that you code things that are literally going into other people's software already. Like there was one code code camp or whatever it was called code code economy or code academy, con. not con academy code academy, and you actually code like a thing that goes into the uh, Airbnb back end, and that's what I was like, oh okay, like what you code literally goes into Airbnb's back end. They teach you this part, and it's like. You know, more stuff like that could be done in crypto where a company is basically just farming out code that they need, but they're also teaching you while mm -hmm. they do it. I thought it was a beautiful partnership that Airbnb had with Code Academy. And I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. I can literally say I coded this thing that went into Airbnb's operation. That's sexy. Yeah, like, I like that. You can, you can, you can teach and you can build at the same time. But anyways, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Um, why is it always a horse? Like, there's other four-legged animals. Because cows walk too slow. We learned that today earlier. <laughs> yeah, cows walk too slow. You didn't know. Way too slow. <laughs> Nobody's beating cows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's riggedy, riggedy wrap. Uh, so thank you guys for listening to another week of the Bitcoin Podcast. We hope you enjoyed Just the Headers, hashing it out, blocked by design. Uh, all the beautiful shows. If you wind, wind back the clock two weeks, you'll get a TBP flashback of what it was like when the price was $2,000 <laughs> back in 2017 um, when we were losing our minds because we had risen all the way up from $200 per Bitcoin to 2000 per Bitcoin. We were losing our shit. Little did we know. Um, and what else is going on? Ray Redacted on Twitter. Go on Twitter. Look up Ray Redacted. You're going to learn. You're going to be forced to learn because <laughs> always information is flowing from Ray. I think That's there's like three him. Rays. Ray, Ray has a team of Rays that are like doing things. <laughs> come, come, come join the Slack and you can see the, the, the very private video of Dimitri's panel where he was the middle of the road maximalist or the middle of the road to the max. What were, yeah. what were the middle of the road to? You were halfway the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that'll be posted in the Slack this week only for members of the Slack. Yeah, you can find the Slack at the BitcoinPodcast.com. Big Slack button. That'll give you an invite. We have a book called In 10 Words or Less, Can You Describe Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Blockchain? Um, uh, we hope that you like the book. It's a coffee table book, so it's going to change. It's not going to change your life, 
but it is going to entertain you. Um, you get to see insight in, as to how people view Bitcoin and crypto and all of that jazz, people in the community. Andreas is in there. Uh, what's his name? Eric Voorhees is in there. Uh, dude from Voltero is in there. We got some hardware wallet makers in there. We got porn stars in there. Little Boosie's in there. Uh, yeah, never forget, Corey, that we interviewed Little Boosie. You interviewed Lil Boosie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting this Boosie juice on the blockchain, baby. I got Boosie barbecue sauce going on the blockchain. Boosie that doesn't potato make chips. Yeah, it's going to be decentralized potato chips. Um, Those are real words. Someone really said that. That was, that was the ICO <laughs> boom in a nutshell right there. That should be... We should quote that that interview and say ICO craze in a nutshell. I'm gonna put barbecue chips on the blockchain. I'm that, gonna make I'm was... gonna make a recast out of it like today. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We do a lot of things, man. Mostly it starts at the BitcoinPodcast.com. If you're listening in your car right now, we'd ask that you pull over and do all the things we just asked you to do, um, and then get back on the highway. I know it's difficult, but you know. This is a radio show, and we need you guys to do the things that we ask. So that's how that works. Do it. If you're, yeah, if you're in traffic, especially if you do it. Yeah, don't, um, don't, don't text and drive. Yeah, don't text and drive. If you listen on the treadmill, stop the treadmill, do all those things, and then turn it in. Put ah, it you can walk and drive. You can fall from that. I'll be all right. Yeah. Um, other than that, that's all we got. Um, please listen to all the other shows that are coming out. There's lots of them. We love you guys. Um, shout out to Zoe Saldana, uh, Zati Beats, and Loretta Ferguson. Play the album.